0: We are here to talk about scaling issues with Taz Lake, founder at Bright Mill. Tagline is Better Websites Through Analysis. He's been a founder for quite a while. And we've been having a little chat back and forth here about what happens after you scale and you're, you've you got this perception that you're successful and everything's going great and that, and then bam, something horrible happens. And we've seen this with Companies like Equifax, Panera Bread, even Amazon is not, you know, they don't get a get out of jail free card here. Taz, thank you for being on. Thanks for having me. We're going to dig into this a little bit about these, what you call bad experience triggers, right? And... Mm -hmm. I, I really like this because we we get into a situation, I mean, I, I the first question I have is how fast can this sort of thing happen where you've had some initial success, and you're kind of flushed with it and maybe a teeny bit full of yourself, you know, and because uh, nobody would ever be like that, right? right and right. and <laughs> you're moving along and suddenly, whammy, one of these awful things happen. Uh, you know, how fast can that happen? Is it just mature companies who are sitting out there 10 years in, you know, and then suddenly they realize mm-hmm. stuff's out of date or can it happen much faster?
1: Well, it, it can happen a lot faster, but I, I think the point is no one is immune to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that as we become more and more dependent on web, digital, mobile, uh, as customer experience has become more important uh, as a strategic differentiator in businesses of all sizes. Um, You know, you're starting to have a lot more complexity in your web and digital space. You know, a lot of times that complexity has been isolated, let's say within the IT team, and and they've been the ones taking care of your technology over the last 20 years. But uh, with the the rise of these newer technologies and and diverse cloud environments, you know, that that user experience mm-hmm. and customer experience are coming closer and closer together. Uh, when you think about some of these larger companies you mentioned at the top, uh, where they're depending on, on it for really mission-critical activities, you know, order management, customer data, some of these real real critical things, a lot of the, the times that it's been, uh, you know, kind of spiraled out of control has been because of Uh, You know, lack of technology uh, being monitored and upgraded properly, or some other you know major gap that's either uh, that can be identified pretty quickly, uh, given the appropriate level of uh, of attention. Uh, Mm -hmm. But they they've kind of put it on the back burner. They you know they'll uh, I don't know what the internal conversations are, but hey, you know we're successful and and quite honestly you know, it's hard to look at everything at once. And so certain things get put on the back burner and, and fall to the wayside. Hmm. Uh, and then you end up having these, these major uh, issues.
0: Well, this is why smart executives hire companies like yours and mine. <laughs> <laughs> mine is a, a more general process-oriented, organization-wide analysis for these kinds of problems where the mm-hmm. strengths and weaknesses and whatnot. And you're, you're really focusing on the website.
1: That's right. We're focusing on, on web, you know, pretty much any online, uh, you know, if you want to think about it as a portal or mm-hmm. intranet or extranet or whatever you're calling it, you know, you're, you're, where, where your customers and, and quite honestly, your internal employees are, how they're interacting with you and how that experience looks and how secure it is and how performant it is and, uh, you know, how up to date it is.
0: Hmm. And we've seen companies who are maybe using a distribution channel to sell whatever it is that they make or do somewhere else, right? Mm-hmm. What does that tend to lead to as far as their own website?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're, I mentioned complexity, the third party uh, solutions that are integrated into the website um, are, are numerous. Uh, if you take a look at, Uh, some tools that are out there where you can analyze uh, what's the technographics, if you will, what makes up Mm -hmm. the website. Uh, You'll see most of them are using 30, 40, 50 third-party tools and and scripts, Uh, some of them hundreds, you know, and so that can really impact the speed and performance of your site. It can impact quality of your site because you have to make sure all those things are working correctly and interacting correctly together. You know, one example just from my experience yesterday, uh, a major, a major online newspaper trying to use one of their their key pieces of functionality. They even sent it out, uh, you know, to my email inbox. I click through, and then I get to their page, and it doesn't work. And the reason, uh, me being me, I go look at the console, and sure enough, there's JavaScript errors that are preventing it from being. From from behaving in the browser of my choice, which is at this time is Google Chrome, mm-hmm. so I had to switch over to Microsoft Edge, uh, and, and look at it uh, on Edge. So actually, something worked on Edge and didn't work on Chrome, which is if you're in my you're circle, you know how funny that is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, <laughs> you know, it, no one's no one's really immune to it, and uh, you know, a, a big part of that uh, and, and solving for that is is really having a process in place to monitor, improve, you know, add, add issues to your backlog and just make it part of uh, that continuous improvement
0: uh, of your customer experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't let sleeping dogs lie. Just because something horrible hasn't happened yet <laughs> to this very moment doesn't mean that it's not about to.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Let's look at a couple of these stories that, uh, of the bigger companies that you've yeah. shared with me in notes. Mm-hmm. Panera Bread. Yeah, We talked about security signals that their data might not be safe. Tell us what happened there.
1: Yeah, you know, there's plenty of articles on it that are very detailed. The, the summary is basically this, and, and I encounter this a lot when I try to, you know, kind of do good work with folks and, and kind of out of the goodness of my heart tell them, hey, this is broke or this <laughs> this is wrong with your site. Uh, there was a security researcher that actually approached them and told them their API, which is an application programming interface that allows um, them to kind of share data uh, between their systems, that that API was compromisable. In other words, it was easy to get to and that people could, uh, skilled people, could get to that API and actually get customer data off the website. And that includes... Personally identifiable information, which is called PII, mm-hmm. or uh, I think la- I think they even had last four of the credit card available mm-hmm. uh, through this through this API and, and kind of in the in the wide wide open, and uh, they he approached it via responsible disclosure. Went to the the folks at Panera Bread and secure and they pretty much ignored him and said, you know, he was just a security researcher trying to sell his services. Mm-hmm. They they ignored him. And so this went on, I think, for a couple of months. And then finally he just said, I've got I've to tell the world, you know, you can't, you can't just do this. <laughs> right.
0: Uh, we all love integrations. right? But the more right. you pile on, the more risk you're taking. That's right. You remember Target from a few years ago, they had their data breach. Equifax certainly mm-hmm. had their data breach. I was one of the victims of that.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think we all were. You know, I think Equifax is a... Is a Quite an interesting story because it had to do with um, something called Apache Struts was not up to date, and uh, because Apache Struts was not up to date, a well-known vulnerability was still present, and it was able to be compromised. Uh, So, just keeping technology up to date. I mean, if that's your baseline, if if nothing else is taken away, you know, from today's uh, discussion, that's really what it's about: is be ruthless about upgrading your technology and you know I've been in the enterprise I know the complexities of that and so I'm not speaking out of out of turn hopefully I know that it's difficult and I know it takes time energy effort you know a lot of times there is no upgrade path sometimes you have to buy new sometimes you have to rebuild completely and that's not it's not a fun experience but you know when you're looking at these things if there's security and performance issues which are two of the big ones that can can really kill technology stacks those need
0: to be addressed yeah great point interesting there that we hear a data breach or something right this was hacked and mm-hmm. i think on a on a populist level the understanding of that is very thin right it's very mm-hmm. surface level most people don't really dig down into well wait what actually caused this thing mm-hmm. and as as tech founders who I hope are listening, <laughs> you, you should have a bigger sense of responsibility about finding out what this stuff is, right? What mm-hmm. actually caused it. You mentioned kind of the boy who cried wolf there only, he wasn't, he wasn't crying wolf mm-hmm. with no reason, right? Mm-hmm. How can a founder discern, what are the signals to tell, mm-hmm. okay, actually, this is a real thing Mm -hmm. it's a true risk that i need to be paying attention to and not just as you said somebody trying to push their services
1: yeah it's it's difficult and i i understand you know especially being a a founder myself and and trying to uh kind of discern you know you you and i have talked about this too from the the sales and business development side you know how do you know what works right and and how do you know when someone's actually offering something that's that's good versus something that's fluff. Uh, so for somebody like me, who is not a, a natural born sales um, you know, person uh, or business development expert, um, that's difficult for me. Well, on the technology side, it can be just as difficult for someone who maybe isn't, isn't as savvy uh, on the tech side. Uh, If they're Mm -hmm. tech founders, they might know a whole lot about, you know, a particular area, let's say ERP systems or something like Mm -hmm. that. And they understand the risks with that. Maybe they're not as uh, tuned into, you know, web or, or whatever other technologies are at risk in their organization. Um, But I I think when, when someone, you know, comes in and, and tells you something or takes the time to, to, to tell you something kind of for free and out of the blue, you know, I'm sure that there's an offer on the back end, you know, we get all the LinkedIn invites in the world mm-hmm. you Accept, and then two days later you've got an offer in your, in your LinkedIn inbox, mm-hmm. uh, all automated most of the time. But, you know, if somebody takes that time to tell you or to report to you that something's wrong, uh, it's, it's worthwhile to listen and try to build trusted advisors whether you know whether that's somebody like me or somebody that you know that you know is tech savvy and can answer the questions you got to have those advisors around you you can't you can't do it on your own I mean I don't know everything about uh, you know I've got an MBA and I still don't know everything about finance and accounting and taxes I still have CPAs and bookkeepers and all that so you know you do that already with your financial side you need to do it
0: with your tech side as well right so it's it's tempting to ignore unsolicited advice Mm -hmm. however when it's this specific Mm -hmm. yeah you probably ought to pay a little attention to it dig into it a bit
1: you know somebody's really serious about it and and really wants to look at it you know i'll usually run a, a a quick free analysis for them and you know let them know what kind of the top two or three uh Things are, you know, if we see anything major. Obviously, if we see a security issue when we're um, looking at a site, you know, their site's already compromised. Uh, That can lead to a whole variety of things, including search uh, search results being poisoned. It can lead to, um, you know, your Visitors to your website, actually getting malware on their computer because your website served it to them you know all these and, and then as soon as they start doing the research about where that came from they're not going to like you very much, mm-hmm. you know those types of things um, but w- if we ever see anything like that, it's just hey that 's free advice you know i'm not going to charge you for that you this is what's wrong <laughs> okay. know, and, and usually the response when I do that is something like well the i t team will fix it or or this or that and that's not always the best response because you're there for a reason you know you're kind of in that situation for a reason Mm -hmm. and uh, Mm. you know systemic
0: problems yeah
1: and so there there's the the crux of the matter i tell you that this is wrong but you know honestly i can't fix it for free because it's going to take me hours to dig in identify root cause make sure it doesn't happen again fix the the issues that have that have resulted from this being compromised. So it's not a, it's not a free engagement. So unfortunately, it sounds like a sales pitch when in fact, I'm actually just trying to tell you, hey, there's a problem. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. There is an education piece that needs to go along with this, even if the, the, the buyer company does have a tech team of their own, mm-hmm. because clearly <laughs> the tech team behaved in such a way that got them into this situation in the first place. And fixing it, is the equivalent of putting a band-aid on it yeah it's going to work for a while Mm -hmm. but then things are going to decay and you're going to end up in this similar problem situation down the road
1: well larger larger companies too i mean have their own their own technology teams and a lot of them are great Uh, but remember technologists don't know everything you know somebody comes over to me and says we'll go go do this thing this do you know this platform it's like i've never worked with it before in my life but you know thousands have and and i don't know it well that's not uncommon because it's such a diverse um, uh, industry you know it teams have their own interests as well that they have to keep the lights on you know they have to make sure the network's stable you know there's a lot of stuff it teams do that we don't see and, and that's, a, that's a huge burden, to be honest with you. And, and so when you come in and you say, well, now do this thing, that's a little different, maybe a little bit, you know, so when, it's, let's say, marketing comes in and says, well, there's all this marketing technology now that I need you to help me manage. IT teams are not always set up to, to deal with that. And so uh, they'll try to, you know, map a requirement into existing technology uh, that doesn't really fit what the requirement is, and it can be, you know, some budding of heads going on there between marketing and IT because um, marketing's not getting what they need. Sales teams aren't getting what they need. And, and IT is just kind of, you know, so busy. They're just trying to keep the lights on and keep the company running.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. So you, you have categorized areas of problems or issues that could potentially arise uh, in a, in a website or a platform and that you call it the seven forces framework. Yeah.
1: Yeah, can we so, dig so, into
0: that a little bit.
1: Yeah, we can. So, you know, um, the seven forces framework was really born out of me trying to find a way to bucket all the different issues that can happen uh, with the web or or web technology, and it it comes out of twenty years, twenty plus years of doing this. I, I built my first website. Uh, in 1993, you probably didn't yeah. even know the web existed then. <laughs> um, I did, but you know, but <laughs> yeah. you know it, it was about about th- the internet was about um, or or the World Wide Web was about two or three years old at that point. Yeah. If, if I mean, we well. we
0: had our 300 baud modems and then 1200 <laughs> and whatnot, and yeah, then connecting to bbs's and then it grew up out of that. No, yeah. I I was a year out of high school in 93. <laughs> be fair.
1: So. Well, cool. Yeah, so we're we're. Uh, we're kind of right, right there then. So, you know, the seven areas of knowledge um, and areas of focus, the seven forces, if you will, would be security, speed and performance, marketing and content, quality, accessibility and compliance, usability, and technology. Hmm. And so we talked a little bit already about security. You know, speed and performance is a really big one, especially for e-commerce sites, sites mm-hmm. that depend on on a, kind of that customer journey and flow to get through the buying process. Uh, you know, you mentioned Amazon at the top of the hour, and, and every every year Amazon Prime Day comes around, and every year there it slow it slows their website to a crawl, services fail, uh, people get angry. It, I, it's been in my presentation now so long, I just don't, I almost don't even say it anymore because it's such a well-known issue. And, and that's, you know, Amazon's just had that massive success. Now they're, you know, are we really worried about Amazon? It's such a, it's such a monster. Um, but truly, you know, what, how much did they lose on Amazon Prime Day? Uh, at one point, you know, they were, they were talking about, Billion, you know, billions lost for one second of slowdown in their website. You know, so that's when you're looking at these massive volumes of uh, transactions like Amazon has, speed can really, really impact the bottom line. But even smaller websites, you know, let's say you're running a a Shopify store and your revenues, you know, only $20,000 a month or something, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, speed still matters. It's, it still matters because people aren't real keen on waiting pretty much two or three seconds per load per page loads about all they want. Now, if you right. have a multi-step buying process, you can start to f- see if, if it's a 10 second load time or it takes forever for the page to paint because you're using images that are too large. For example, mm. um, you're really going to have an issue with them completing the buying
0: process makes sense and i like where technology came in on that list (laughs) i'm fond of saying technology is glue apply it last and that's where it is on the list it's not first where many people would put it
1: that's right and a lot of times when i when i talk about these seven forces and i get to technology people scratch their head and they say haven't you been talking about technology all along it's like no you know (laughs) technology is that glue it's it's the table stakes right that's what you have to have in place um (laughs) So I'm going to talk about it last. It doesn't mean it's not important. It just means that it's kind of assumed that you're going to be looking at your technology and keeping it up to date. I like to say technology is not, you know, like, like the Ronco guy where you just set it and forget it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, technology is something that needs active management. Mm-hmm.
0: Let's look at something else. Legislative change. Things are changing in the legislative world that impact commercial websites. Talk to us a little bit about that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, you know, hopefully people don't get too upset when I say this, but as you know, lawyers are always out there looking around, uh looking to see what um types of things are happening, and most of the time it's it's well intentioned. Uh, but what's happened recently is um and, and rightfully so, there there are issues around what's called accessibility and this is for folks who um might have uh issues with either sight or hearing, um, where they have some type of uh, other ability uh, that doesn't allow them to use the website properly the way that it's designed or built. And uh, there are certain uh, legislation that has been passed for a long time now related to government websites and accessibility, Section 508 is the one that's most commonly Uh, cited where uh, government websites have to provide a level of accessibility to everyone, because obviously we all pay taxes, right? So Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, we're paying taxes um, and we, we need to get the services um, from the government through the digital channel um, equally. Uh, The, what's happened though is um, some of the e-commerce sites and some of the um, you know, grocery sites and hotel websites and, and things of that nature have started, people have started to try to apply accessibility standards to those websites mm-hmm. and then uh, using those as a, uh, I guess a, a vector to <laughs> have lawsuits against these companies because their website was not accessible mm-hmm. uh, because you're you're essentially blocking Um, access it'd be the same as um, you know having steps in front of the target store where you couldn't you know get your wheelchair up into the target store it's like a big sign that says go away right Hmm. Uh, to anybody in a wheelchair so the same the same thing with websites is you know if I've got low vision and the biggest font on your site is you know nine point or ten point there's a good chance I'm gonna have a hard time If, if I can't hear and a lot of your contents delivered with videos with no subtitles you know, yeah, you know you get you start to get the idea, so uh, also, not everybody uses the same device. I mean we know that right there's We know about web browsers, we know about mobile devices, but we don't know about uh, necessarily um, things like screen readers or specialty devices for those with disabilities so that they can actually consume the websites and the other digital content. And uh, if sites aren't built a certain way, then it's not going to work on those devices, especially depending on what industry they're in. Correct. I mean, uh, you know, so and there's uh, most folks will have, you know, legal advisors and they can go to them and kind of say, hey, am I in this category? And if so, then having accessibility testing and,
0: um, you know, remediation certainly makes a lot of sense. Okay. Okay sounds good uh one last question is about monitoring people will put a monitoring tool on their site and think that they've done enough what is the truth about that and what should they be doing
1: yeah there's there's a couple of things uh there's monitoring uh so when you're monitoring something it, it, there are a variety of components to monitor uh, a common example that that i bring up is uh, a lot of people monitor whether or not the server is up or not and they mm-hmm. think if the server's up everything's good that's not really good enough because there are different layers mm-hmm. you know i'm trying not to go too technical on <laughs> the folks here you know there are different layers and one of the layers is that web application okay mm-hmm. and that web application functions completely separately from whether you know the server's up or down you know it's thumbs up, thumbs down. And so there are gray uh, gray areas about performance and and monitoring. Uh, Another example would be things like uh, the little green lock that you see on your web browser. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Well, there's different different technologies behind that that um, can basically control the security around your site. Just because it 's there doesn 't necessarily mean everything is perfect, right, and having it there is better than nothing, but uh, there can be things like old ciphers you know you, you might have heard some of the old attacks uh, like like poodle, for example, mm. you know where sSL is compromised, but it 's only certain certain ciphers that are compromised. And so you have to make sure you continue, you actually monitor your SSL, make sure it's up to date, make sure it's not vulnerable to those types of attacks as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, there's a, a real popular analysis tool for websites. A lot of people, you know, when I tell them I do web analysis, they're like, well, don't you just use a tool? And the short answer is we use a lot of tools and we use a lot of visual inspection. But, mm. um, you know, tools, techniques, scoring. Uh, but there's a real popular tool out there for for testing websites mm-hmm. and the only thing it does is it tests to see whether ssl exists or not if it's if it yeah. does it has a whole section called security and it says you know hey you're good that's laughable <laughs> that's <laughs> that's ridiculous that's right. like that's like saying oh look uh, you know the lights are off in the house no one must live there
0: right or or the battery for my car is charged it must be fully working
1: <laughs> that's right, right. It's like monitoring one very, very small piece and then saying, "Yep, everything's good." <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. so folks can come to you for an analysis of their website, their online platform, and find out a, a far greater degree of detail. and uh...
1: That's right, that's right. So um you know we're glad to help people with that and and really help them roadmap out what's next if it's needed, you know, there might just be very specific, you know, tactical issues that could be resolved, but there could be, you know, larger structural um, concerns as well that we can um, address or, you know, connect them with partners or whatever else, um, you know, we would need to do to help them achieve the goals they want to achieve with their website.
0: So mm-hmm. Well, my big takeaway is you don't know what you don't know until <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so you talk to an expert. Our guest today has been Taz Lake, founder of Bright Mill, Better Websites Through Analysis. Taz, how can people get a hold of you? Where should they go?
1: Yeah, the best way to get a hold of me is just through the website, brightmill.com. And there's a schedule link on that uh particular website, and then they can have direct access to my calendar and, and schedule some time if they want to chat about it. And uh, if if they don't like that way, they can always e- email me at uh, taz at brightmill.com.
0: Excellent. Well, thanks for being our guest today.
1: Thanks for having me, Jason. appreciate it.